What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. All right, Russ, Kim Daly joined us today and she brought the heat as it relates to franchises. After hearing everything she had to say, one, there's two questions. One, would you start your own franchise? Because I have you pegged as that guy. Like, I'm not going to buy somebody else's business. I'm going to start my own. Or two, was there something that she mentioned that you were like, I could get behind that franchise idea. That, That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and initially, I definitely do think I would want to start something. I just want to create that business, and I would love to be able to franchise it. I'd have no idea how to do it, considering <laughs> I would probably have very little processes that one could follow. Because that's that was one of my takeaways, right? <laughs> Is that you're partnering with the franchisor, and you're buying all of that value that they've created. Well, I may be able to create some value, but like, you know, you and I used to talk about this all the time, and when you come... Uh, sit with me and, and we would meet with somebody for the first time. If we did 10 first meetings, I'd do them 11 different ways. Like there's not a, <laughs> True. a a process that I follow with anything. So I think I would really suck at creating one, but I would want to try. I would fail probably miserably, but I would want to try. But the idea of being just an investor in a franchise, especially now knowing what she said, because I kind of had you know, some experience through some friends who've been in franchises that haven't been the greatest, right? And they were in the traditional food industry, which that's Mm. what I think of. Like, I think, oh, I'm going to just go buy a firehouse subs or, you know, I'm going to buy a clean juice. Or we have had some friends that have had some successes in the McDonald's world or the Jimmy John's world, right? There has been some of those, but that's all the franchise experience I've had has been with that. And for her to say, the service franchise is where it's at because one, it requires less energy, less people. It does require more money, but it creates more recurring revenues, more sustainable, uh, consistent revenues. I love all of that. What do you think? Well, in the margin she mentioned with that, the other thing I felt like that she exposed was like, like you said, what we think of as franchises actually uh, is just a small percentage of what's available, right? There's so many opportunities. She even includes car washes and self-storage and things that we would normally think of as just syndicated opportunities as franchise opportunities. That, that to me was really interesting. And we didn't really get deep enough in that, to be honest. Um, yeah. But the, to me, it was like exposing and, and expanding my mind. Yeah, I do think that there's probably a lot of businesses that we don't even recognize as franchises and their opportunities for. So you might be listening to this from one of three areas. You're somebody who's looking for some side cash, you're going to keep doing it while you're doing your main thing. Maybe you're looking to go all in and just get out of your main thing and make this your main thing. Or you're maybe an investor. Maybe you're somebody who wanted to be passive and you want to know, can franchises truly be passive? We answer 
all of those questions as best as we possibly can in this interview with Kim Daly. Let's jump in right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Muret. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the show, Kim Daly. All your questions about franchises will be answered today. Kim, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It, this is straight like Kim. Joey <laughs> sets an expectation that no one can meet, mostly because of our lack of an ability to ask you the right questions. So no pressure. Do, no pressure. We're going to do the best we possibly can. We've had a lot of fun before we press record. I know this interview is going to be interesting. And franchising is obviously a really interesting conversation. We haven't really talked about that a lot. We did have an episode where we interviewed someone who was a McDonald's franchise owner, but it was really very specific, right? Um, that person's knowledge was limited in that area. How and why franchises for you though? Where did that come from in your life? Why was that an interest or a passion? It's a good question. And the question that's commonly asked in the franchise industry is how did franchising find you, right? Because no one wakes up and says, oh yeah, especially to being a franchise consultant. Um, in my case, I happened to answer a classified ad in the newspaper. I was on my way to medical school. I took a part-time job for a franchise consulting company right out of college, and it literally changed my life, or so I thought. Um, when I was younger, I always... Um, my parents were in Amway and we'd go to these like, you know, like rah-rah rally sessions. And I always wanted to be a motivational speaker. I didn't want to be in the audience. I wanted to be on the stage. You know, of course, my dad was like, go be a double diamond in Amway. <laughs> I wanted to be the, the speaker, the one who was inspiring the people. But like, how does one do that without being a double diamond in Amway? So I kind of abandoned that dream and thought, well, I'm going to help people by going to med school. I answered a classified ad in the newspaper, learned about this amazing industry called franchising where every day people wake up to live their dreams, people help people. This is an industry where people help people and it's not like a corporate America environment where you know people can backstab and push people out of the way so they can get to the top. I mean, franchise owners and a brand, they're all shareholders of the same brand. So they share information, they help each other, we grow together. It was just, it's an amazing place. And I knew that I had found my people um, from a very young age and my heart to be an entrepreneur was born. I left that job after three years left franchising, became an entrepreneur uh, for five years only to learn how hard entrepreneurship really is and came back to my franchising roots when I was 29 years old. I found the opportunity that I'm doing today as a franchise consultant. And here I am 20 years later. Well, that's a good point, though, that you say that entrepreneurship is really hard and you came back into the franchising model. How would you divide the line between those who are operating a business that that didn't have a model, didn't have a formula, kind of like a franchise provides it, 
explain that to us because I think that that's the part that is, is really intriguing about the franchising. There is an opportunity. There is a model to follow. Right. So an entrepreneurship, it's, you know, re, it's, re, it's inventing the wheel. It's making it up as you go along. It's trying to figure out what your customer wants, what they'll respond to, where to spend advertising dollars, you know, how many advertising dollars, how long it's going to take to build something that's profitable, um, how to grow and change with the economy, with the market, with the competition. There's so many things to be figuring out all while you're trying to figure out how to make money. And in, in, in the midst of all of that, you're doing it by yourself. There's nobody to like ask a question to. I mean, it's very, very lonely. So flip over to the world of franchising where you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. We're not reinventing the wheel. We, we pay that franchise fee, which the daily coach calls the cost of entry. It opens the gate to Disneyland and buys you instant access to all of that ready-made information, like who is the customer and where do we spend the marketing dollars and how many marketing dollars and you know um, how long is it gonna take to build a positively cash flowing business? And while you're in your business, growing it, focused on your community, you have the eyes and ears of a parent organization that's watching the economy, watching the competition, growing that brand, keeping it relevant. So as an owner in your business, you don't have to worry about like everything. You just get to be focused on your business, your locations, your team, live your life, but know that you have greater support behind you that's going to keep the vision for your company growing and ever present. So you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. You get to work on your business rather than in your business, right? It's entrepreneurs often get stuck right? They're in their inventors, their creators, they, they want to do it their way. And that's awesome. But how many entrepreneurial like mom and pop businesses do you know, where the entrepreneur ever really gets out from underneath it, right? Yeah. Oftentimes that business is built around their center of influence. So in a franchise, I can take someone with the dream to own a business, show them businesses they have no prior experience in, know nothing about, but they can feel confident that they can come in as the CEO of that business, again, working on it rather than in it. You can hire to the experience of the business. Okay, so you that was a perfect segue into one of my biggest questions. I, I, people that are listening to this show right now, they fall into pretty much three categories, right? One, they're looking for freedom from the grind that they're in right now. And they're like, anything is better than this. Please show me a business that I can go and put all these 40 to 60 hours into and, and I can run with it. And they've said, maybe I have to start my own business, but now they're saying, okay, maybe there's a franchise that would be easier way for me to, to do that exit. So that's number one, right? Mm -hmm. Number two is somebody that, is not urgently trying to exit their said role, but they're like, is there a side hustle that could help me to begin building this semi-passive kind of income that will eventually be provide freedom? It's like my, you know, my eventual exit. Mm -hmm. And then there's a third person who has all the money in the world in no time. And they're mm -hmm. like, I would love to own a proven business that I don't have to work in, as you just mentioned, I can work on it with somebody else, but there's somebody that's really operating this at a high level 
and I can just fund it. Right. Help me break that down. Like, are all those things possible with what you're talking about? Yes, a hundred percent. They're all possible. So the first one is your full-time owner operator. And when I say full-time owner operator, you can literally roll up your sleeves and be in on the ground floor of your business. If that's your personality, because look, let's be real. There are people out there that if their money is in it, they cannot trust somebody else to do it for them, at least in the beginning. They want to get this thing going. And look, no one's going to do it like you're going to do it, right? I mean, you can hire the best manager, but if it's your money, you know, you, you might want to be the person driving this business forward in the beginning. But also we have um, executive owner operator, which means you come in full time, but you're not in on the ground floor of your business. So for example, let's say that you are going to open a California closet. So you guys familiar with California closet? Okay, so that's a franchise. Maybe you you know don't know of it or don't know of it, but you're not going to be constructing closets, nor are you going to be selling closets. You, as the owner of that business, would be managing the marketing to make sure the customers are calling. When the customers are calling, you're booking an in-home estimate, you're setting that up. You're managing your salespeople going out and driving that sales process. You you might be managing the vendor relationship. So as the product is ordered, after I, if I'm the customer, give the deposit, then you're managing kind of the shipping and the receiving of those products because you don't have a warehouse. You keep very low fixed costs, minimal overhead. And then you're managing a couple of subs who come in and do the actual construction. So it's a full-time job, but it's flexible, right? You're doing, you're, you're wearing many hats, you're helping all parts of your business, but you're not in rolling up your sleeves doing any of it. So that would be the first bucket, the owner operator, executive owner operator. The second category I would call a semi-absentee owner. So a semi-absentee owner is the side hustle person who says, look, I have a W-2 job. Many times, you know, it's people that say, I need the benefits. I need the healthcare benefits of this job for a few more years. Um, so, and, or they just can't leave income, you know, and if you're of a certain age and you make great money in corporate America and you don't hate your job, why leave it? Like double dip, you know? So then I would, I'm the one that would bring the opportunities that would allow what we call semi-absentee ownership. So a semi-absentee owner is typically starting with about 15 to 20 hours a week, which can be nights and weekends. And then once you know you have the right manager and team in place, scaling back to about 10 to 15 hours. But again, semi-absent owners have to be disciplined to leave it alone. <laughs> there are many people who buy businesses for a side hustle and then they figure out how much fun it is to own their own business and they end up leaving their job, right, to go be in their business or they just can't leave it alone and they're just like micromanaging the whole thing. So owning a business is about owning it, but it's also about owning your personality, right? And knowing like, okay. My, like yeah, that. so Russ, uh, that's not for you. Okay, just just <laughs> FYI. By been, the way, I think I've been semi-absentee for a while. <laughs> well, by the way, Kim, is that one called Alabama closets? Because we're not really interested in the California closets. I'm just, I, I, I can't. I can't do the California closets. Yeah, they've got an Alabama Georgia closet. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. That's awesome. All right, so talk to us about the last bucket because there's somebody out there that's a lot of times we have 
people that do have more money than they have time. They're probably a part of our passive income mastermind. And they're asking that question, is it possible for a franchise to be passive? Yeah, of course. But before I do that, man, can I just give a couple of examples for the middle category? So if you're yes, thinking like, please, oh, yeah, please, I'm so sorry. So for no, 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 totally fine. If you if you if you know Massage Envy, is that a better name for you than <laughs> Alabama Envy? I'm listening. I, I'm listening. I have a, I have envy for those who get massages. Yes. <laughs> so like right, so you're not a therapist, nor are you going to stand behind the desk and check people in and out. That's where an owner would come in as a semi absentee owner, or like a yoga studio. You're not, or a Pilates studio. You're not teaching the class. You're not, you know, in it you're on it, you're managing the marketing, you're managing teams, you're managing customer experience. And that's in that flexible 15 to 20 hours a week, or we'll say 10 to 20 when it's all said and done. Would that be sort of like a, uh, a Sola salons or something like that too? Ooh, you know, Sola. Okay, so that's a nice little entry into the third candidate. Okay. So the third candidate is the candidate who's looking for this thing to be as passive as possible. So let me say this. Of um, a franchise investment is a business, and a business will never truly be passive. Okay, so there's that. But there are a select group of franchise opportunities that don't have a lot of moving parts. They're simple to operate, few to no employees that would allow the owner to feel almost absentee. So for example, a Sola Salons, which is a salon suite, right? Doesn't employ anybody. It's basically where you as the owner, it's a, a real estate play. You build out maybe 25 individual salon suites, and then you bring in stylists, nail techs, lash artists, estheticians, massage therapists, who are business owners with a full book of business, and they come and rent a suite from you and pay you rent. So your job is to just build that community among your renters and make sure that your renters are happy so they stay there and continue renting from you. So that is one of those extreme examples of very minimal time commitment, but it's still probably five hours a week. Another example in that category might be a laundromat, right? So these investments that are a small commitment of time they're always going to be the biggest investment financially. So in the franchise conversation, money and time are inversely related. A low investment will be, a low investment of money will be a high investment of owner time commitment, like something that's home-based means, it doesn't mean you're working from home. What it means is I don't have to take on the overhead of a location because I'm going out and driving a sales plan. Right. But when we have a big capital outlay like a Sola or a laundromat or a car wash or self storage, those are all franchise opportunities. Then we have typically a smaller time commitment by the owner. So that's inversely related. Russ, I remember my dad specifically say to me, Joey, you got to go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is, in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me. Well, I think, I mean, we, we as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and, and how we want something better for them. 
And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my house, I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode. I love it. All right, so let's let's get into what people are really wanting to know. Which one of these franchises should I absolutely avoid? Is there a specific type, industry, that kind of thing that maybe is not the most ideal? And then we'll let you flip it around and tell us maybe some of those that you've seen that people have amazing success. And I know they're all great, right? You're in the franchise world, but let's just between the three of us girls here, let's talk about this. <laughs> well, okay. Not all franchisors are created equal. And that's why I have a business as a franchise consultant. I save people from, inv- I like to think I save people from investing in franchisors that really are not ready for your hard earned investing dollars. <laughs> so not, I um, mean, this is a, this is a partnership. It's a mutual evaluation. So when you invest in a franchise, you're not buying a brand, you're not buying buying a widget even, you're buying a partnership, right? If you want to go do it on your own, why do you need a franchisor? So it's really all about finding a leadership team with a vision who has the financial resources because it costs money to build a franchise correctly. And, And that you, after doing your investigation, that you align with, you get inspired by, you say, hey, I love the vision of this company. Please pick me to be your brand ambassador for Birmingham, Alabama, because I want to go have at it. So franchising, when you step back, a franchisor is using your time and your money to build their brand right? So they're looking for people that are motivated and competitive and organized and great communicators who can wear the shirt in a community, who can carry out the plans of this franchise to help bring forth the vision, to help build the brand. So if you unscramble that when you're investing in a franchise, what you're actually looking for is people. And this is why I have a business to save people from investing in the people that don't really have that vision. They're in it for franchise fees. They don't really care about your success. Um, so that does that does that the what was the question you actually asked me? Though? <laughs> well, well, I want to know which one of these. I mean, you, you that is good, right? Like we need to know. And we talk about that in investing into syndications, right? That you're not really investing in the deal, you're investing in the operator, the person running the deal. Right. And that's kind of what you're saying with the franchise or is that like, if I'm looking at a franchise, I really want to make sure what is the franchise or going to bring to the situation? Like, what are they bringing? What is that intangible that they have that would be a, a valid thing for me to be a partner in? Correct. So without giving away, is there specific industries, right? That maybe, um, tend to be better or worse in the franchise. Yeah. So I've been a consultant for 20 years. I've certainly seen thousands of, you know, the, the inside scoop on thousands of franchise brands. So my sweet spot has always been service. I love low fixed costs. I love big, fat, healthy margins. I love service. Um, my, the way that my business works though, if someone comes to me and says, Kim, I want to own a business. I take them through a process to learn about their background and their interests and their skills and the time commitment they want to put in the business and what they're financially capable of affording in, 
right? So I always stop and educate people about what their money buys in a franchise. And so once I've gathered the data, then I'm the one that comes back with what I believe are the top three to five options. I have franchises in all categories, like franchising covers, I think 80 different industries. At any one time, there are like three or 4,000 franchises out there. Like how would you ever pick and going to entrepreneur top 500 franchises is not the way to do it. <laughs> so, but how you pick is by working with someone like me that has the relationships and has the experience and then can teach you what's most important about this partnership. Um, one of the things I, one of the industries I really don't do a whole lot in, I am one of America's top franchise consultants. I help a lot of people say yes to the dream. Um, and you are going to have to beg me to show you a food-based business. Hmm. I know because everybody thinks franchising is only food. And in 20 years, I've never done a retail business. I've never helped anybody get into like retail with big inventory, like a dollar store or Pet Supplies Plus or something like that. I certainly have access to those opportunities, but there are just easier, faster, better ways to make money with way fewer moving parts, smaller teams of people, better working hours, higher margins. <laughs> but people aren't aware like, the, the, the businesses I'm referring to with those characteristics, sometimes that they're even franchises. Gotcha. So service is where it's at, in my opinion. I love reoccurring revenue. You know, we're all trying to build that reoccurring money, passive money, <laughs> mailbox money, whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah. So what would be some examples that kind of fit that buy box that you're talking about with recurring building that kind of passive income, but also high margin service related type. Just give us a couple of examples. Of what yeah. So the Sola Salon business that was already mentioned, the Salon Suite business is a classic example because when you get whatever, you know, depending on how many suites you have, when you get, let's just say in your build out, you figure out that it's 60% of your suites rented, then all of your fixed costs are covered. So what happens when you go from 60% rented to 100% rented? What happens is your bottom line grows exponentially. So you see these things with very small time commitment producing incredible EBITDAs and tax advantage. Another example would be, um, so I'm a fitness girl and people think, oh, you know, you, you, you show fitness a lot because you love fitness. And yes, but it's not because I love fitness. It's because I love the model. So again, when you look at any kind of a business wrapped in a membership, where you have controlled fixed costs. So if you open a little yoga studio, it's a little boutique, say less than 2000 square feet. And you know that your monthly expenses are 15 grand a month. And that equates to 200 memberships. Well, you can start pre-selling memberships during construction. So you could open your doors, cash flow even, or maybe even cash flow positive. Compare that to this romantic notion of opening the corner cafe, right? Where you have $25,000 a month in fixed costs and you're selling it at $8 price point. That's a lot of cups of coffee just to break even. You know, so when you look at what are the things that keep owners up at night, it's fixed costs, right? It's knowing that I have $15,000 a month in expenses and I don't know when I can pay those bills. So when you wrap 
that revenue in a membership where it's predictable and scalable. And for, for a goal-oriented person, he can break down those sales into daily bite-sized goals, then you're sleeping well at night. And again, when you get past your fixed costs, let's say it's 200 members in my yoga studio, what happens when you get to 400, 500, 1,000 members? What happens instead of on, you know, netting 8 to 10% on a million dollars in revenue, you see 20, 30, 40% net EBITDAs. So people don't know this information. It's why I have a job. I mean, I, I won't ever make earnings claims to anybody. I'm just giving an example of like to answer the question. Right. You have to go through the process with the franchisors to see how their numbers start to flush out beyond, you know, those break-even costs. But that's where I try to lead people where you have just low fixed costs home-based, low fixed cost. So you're not stressing if no one's coming in because it's a pandemic. Well, at least I'm not bleeding to keep my doors open. Or where, um, then the second reason is because when you get below the fixed cost and keep growing your business, that net margin just grows exponentially. And so you're going to make more money. Yeah. So, so Kim, tell me the big question people have had is COVID. How has COVID affected the franchise side of the world? And which ones have kind of failed or or been taken off your list as a result? Yeah, so obviously COVID changed every business, forced all of us to adapt. In fact, KimDaily.tv is the greatest adaptation I've ever had in my business that was born out of the challenge of not being able to go travel and host live events to inspire people to want to work with me. So, you know, when whenever there's obstacle, there's always opportunity if you're willing to look. And many of my franchise partners were looking for the opportunity. Because I play in a service space generally and always have for 20 years, the majority of the franchise partners that I commonly work with did nothing but sail through um, 2020 and into 2021. I mean, the home services space was like ridiculous, right? Because we were all home, people started building California closets. They started cleaning out the junk in the in the garage and the got junks of the world were, you know, had more customers than they had trucks to pick up the junk. You know, the, the number of pools that were built and then the pool cleaning companies and the, um, the outdoor lighting companies that, you know, help the patio building companies. So think of all the ancillary services, how many people got puppies. Now we need like duty calls to come and clean up the poop in the backyard. So, so many of those um, home services franchises like skyrocketed through the pandemic. I think we all know the hardest hurt businesses or the retail businesses, the, the, the restaurants, right. Yeah. And they're hard. They've been hard hit even after reopening because now nobody wants to work. So they can't find employees. You know, these restaurants are trying to operate with, you know, you see a whole section of the restaurant with nobody sitting in it and a line at the door. And you're like, why can't we go sit over there? And they, you can't go sit over there because they don't have servers, you know? So it's controlling, it's having these businesses where you have smaller teams of people and you, those types of franchises just fared so much better. So thankfully, that's always been my motto. So the majority of the people that I've worked with in 20 years did just fine. Even in my fitness business, um, I work with the largest fitness franchisor in the world. They're a billion dollar brand. It's a publicly traded company. They have 11 different modalities under one parent organization. 
They have no permanent closures due to 2020. Mm. Going into March of 2020, they had over 2,000 doors open around the mm. world across their different modalities. And they have no permanent closures and they have no failures ever. And That's today, they're, I think, close to 2,500 doors open right now. So they actually awarded another 300 franchises during 2020. Like, you know, you see like, oh, my gosh, the mom and pop clubs that went out and couldn't reopen. And, you know, my heart goes out to those entrepreneurs. But this just speaks to the value of being in business for yourself, but not by yourself, where you didn't have to figure out how to solve these huge problems on your own collectively were just stronger and people came together. And even if the stronger part was just the emotional support, you know, that we're going to get through this. I mean, who didn't want to hug in 2020? <laughs> I always love hugs. People were like, is it okay to shake hands, fist bunk? I'm like, no, come in here for the good stuff, man. Let's do this thing. Well, can, can we, we just scratch the surface on franchising this has been amazing. I, I think I heard Ricky Hoffman, as you were comparing entrepreneurship and franchising and talking about how hard it is to to reinvent the wheel, to create it. I think I heard Reed Hoffman say that entrepreneurship is similar to jumping off a cliff without a parachute and trying to build a plane on the way down. And it is, I, I do resonate with how hard and tough it is. And, and there's people that are built and designed specifically for that. But for a lot of us, it, it's, man, just show me a proven formula. Show me something that I can follow. If you haven't already uh, taken from this call, you can you can hear the passion that Kim brings to every interaction she has. Go follow her at Kim Daily. That's D-A-L-Y, KimDaily.tv. Connect with her. Kim, other than that, would you send people to any other place? No, go to my YouTube channel. I have so many videos on all things franchising, investing, comparing a franchise investment to real estate, uh, other types of investments, just entrepreneurship versus franchising. I have podcast interviews with some of the top franchisors in the world today. So you can learn so much and you can contact me through the YouTube channel. So cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please go out there, rate, review it, send it to somebody else so that they can understand what you're knowing and what you're getting access to so that you can become financially free and they can as well. Thank you so much again, Ken, for being on the show. Thank you so much. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.